my name's Sam Taylor and I'm here with Tim McCourt uh, and today we're talking to animator and director Alex Grigg. Is that a good way of describing you? Yeah, animator, sure. Director. Illustrator yeah. as well? Nah, it, it kind of stops. I kind of decided not to focus on that because okay. it drove me nuts. Like I would put as much energy into an illustration as I would into animation. Right. And there's no money and there's like no time to do that. Really? Because I like, I always think there's more money in illustration. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, so, maybe the illustrations I was I, doing. I, I, I freak out a lot when I do right, it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I just draw more illustrations. No, I, I draw I draw a lot. I draw a lot, right. but usually they turn into moving things. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you do, uh, you do art direction as well? Uh, I guess a little bit. Um, I've been trying to move into that more and more um, as like a stepping stone. I guess art direction is kind of an official title, mm -hmm. but I think it encompasses a lot of things that I enjoy, which is design mm -hmm. and storyboarding and finding a, a nice way that everything fits together, like mm. locks in together, which is what I really enjoy. Like I'm not particularly good at any one thing that I do, like I'm mm. not like a star at any of those things, but the thing that I really enjoy is finding a nice way to click them all together. I, like kind, I kind of feel like the term animator is increasingly getting used to describe a combination of skills anyway. Like Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Storyboarding yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Alex has uh, just won the ADC Young Guns Award, is that right? Yes, you did. Wow, wow. Yeah, you, yeah, that was thank you. Congrats, man. Yeah, yeah I got. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I went, I went to New York. Really? Um, did they pay his guard there? Sorry? Did they pay his guard there? Um, to quote the wonderful organization, they're a not-for-profit organization. So, <laughs> yeah. But they did take very good care of us while we were there. Oh, they cool. gave us a free bar. They. Wow. Um, but I got really drunk at the after party and I lost my award. So. It's, <gasps> no. Uh, did you? <laughs> oh, so, what did you this man? <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like a glass cube with my name like lasered into the like into the core of it. Oh, you and it's, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if anybody discovers that, it's not like they can put it on their mantelpiece, is it? Yeah, it's got I mean, Alex Greg in there. Yeah, I guess. I, I, yeah, I don't know why you put someone else's trophy on your mantelpiece. <laughs> did you contact the? Uh, did you contact the organisers? Yeah, I did. Um, nobody found it. Nobody found it. It was weird. That's yeah. annoying. Someone's yeah. taking take it home to their, their mum. Yeah, yeah. Your name scratched out. <laughs> yeah. and a bit of like Sharpie over the top of it. <laughs> well, it was a really oh, cool. Well. It was a really cool trophy actually. It was done by a design studio called Grand Design. I think. Yeah. So it makes it all the more. Well, no. Well, all I was going to say is it's, it's kind of a cube, and this isn't really radio. Um, maybe it is I mean, theatre of the mind, but it's yeah. like it's like this glass cube, and they've got like lasers that like put little dots. And the only way to see what's written is to look at it completely front on. Oh, cool. Because it's sort of, it's like offset, three-dimensional. Like those um, portrait cube It's like that, it's like that, but if you turn it 90 degrees, it says something else. Oh, really? Because you sort of see it, you see the depth of those things are sort right. of offset. In different oh, places. cool. So, yeah, it was a really cool design. But it's gone now, so I guess, <laughs> you know. Um, so I don't need to look like a Onwards like a, like a jerk with a trophy on the on the no. mantelpiece to show off. It's to funny friends. Because oh, our film got into a couple of festivals, and I remember we got into one festival which I won't name, um, but it was it was like a pretty shady sounding festival. There's so many of them, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, once you start, once you've been in a couple, people start contacting you, and then yeah. uh, you start coming across all these like the I don't know the West you know, Norwich International 
festival of creative arts. Or oh, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Or Norwich. Yeah. Um, and uh, and some and this one festival contacted me, and they and they were like, if you want to buy awards, like these are how much they cost. Yeah. At the end of it, so they apparently screened us. Apparently, I don't know really hear very much about it or didn't see any photographic evidence of this thing. Mm. But they were like, and you can have an award if you want. Um, you just have to pay hundred quid or whatever. <laughs> and, I, and since I got that, um, every time I go into a production company and they've got all their awards behind the desk in the yeah. front, um, I always think that I always think about that festival and the fact that you can buy. Them. Who was telling? Was it you who was telling me? Cool. that when there was a production company that you worked at, when you walked in through the door, they'd line up all the product. Oh, um, yeah, the it, was, it was an advertising... Sorry, we're not interviewing you here. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I've, got, I've got things to say about this series. I want to hear you finish the story. Yeah, um, I was told uh, that this advertising agency, when to win kind of big clients or to impress them when they walk in, they put all their awards on the front, like, say, on the... F- anything front facing as you walk in so when they walk in it looks like they've just won heaps and heaps and heaps yeah and then when they were walking out they removed all the awards <laughs> to be front facing as you walk out so it just looks like, like they've just got shit loads of awards wow. uh, and so like i suppose it's kind of handy just to have loads of awards because no one gives a crap what they're where they're from i suppose unless they're like a gold lion or whatever. yeah i saw the the Annecy crystal this year and oh, it's yeah. like it must be really hard to tell, like from a distance, unless you know what yeah. the crystal looks like. There's no way you would know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually, when I was in New York, we we did Airbnb, and I stayed at this lady's house, and we came in, mm. and on her on her bookshelf was an Emmy. Really? Of like an actual Emmy. It was crazy. Whoa. Wow. Do you know who she was? Um, her name was Susanna, and I don't know. It looks really old. Surrender. Yeah, but it was like an Emmy. It was an Emmy for um, news, news and. Um, documentary making. Wow. wow. Yeah. I was like, shit. And it's really big. Like, it's got this giant base that's like uh, happy. Y- yeah, it's good for the radio. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like it's like this big. Uh, it's, got, it's got this giant base, and the base is like the super like oh, really? it's metal like, disc. I don't know. Maybe they. Yeah. Maybe they don't. Um, maybe they don't put that on the TV part of it because the people would just like have to lug it away. But, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, cool. So is that the is that the first award that you've won or have you won? No, I mean I, I yeah. Is I, that the first award that you've lost? <laughs> yes. You won at least an award that night. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot, it was a lot of firsts actually. Yeah, no, I, I don't know, like I've I've always had a conflicted relationship with that stuff, but it feels like if I wanna um be you know, I, I think it impresses certain people, yeah. like people that are maybe gatekeepers, people that have money. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm really honoured for it. Um, and all the people that are in it do fucking amazing work too. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't normally put myself out there for that, but I feel like the way the last couple of years have been going, maybe I want to win my own jobs. And, yeah. And so having a little bit of legitimization from sort of places like that, Mm. sort of helps grease the wheels a little bit yeah I definitely sorry oh no all I was going to say is it also helps with visa stuff and I mean uh, okay so I right. mean who does it yeah well if I want to move to the states um, get an O2 visa I think maybe internet people can correct me afterwards but I think um, you need to have sort of you know industry sort of legitimization where oh, okay. they're saying well he's 
he's doing stuff that you know the regular sort of person in the industry in America um, is is going to have trouble doing. So okay, yeah. you know, um, so they so when they hire you, they can say, well, we can't get a guy to do what he does in the states. We need to hire someone from outside the states. Right. Right. Okay. And and was that a conscious decision? Uh, as why you entered into it? Yeah, actually, that was wow. that was probably yeah fifty percent of the reason because I was looking at where I was going to live next year and. Um, so you had to uh, enter that yourself. You entered the yeah. filming yourself personally. Um, it wasn't a film. It was kind of like a more portfolio based. Uh, okay, right. Yeah. And so, and the other thing that I wanted to practice doing because I like I'm terrible at it is start writing about myself and promoting myself, and mm. that's not something that I enjoy doing at all. And I usually find if I if I don't enjoy doing something like that, it's probably like a fear thing, and I'm probably mm. and I probably should you know wrestle with that. A little bit mm. and put myself in uncomfortable positions doing podcasts yeah doing yeah absolutely I've been fearing this for like weeks really? <laughs> no way I'm like oh man I gotta do something crazy like lose an award so we're gonna <laughs> but I think that I mean I kind of think that you are pretty good at self-promotion um, we were just talking before you came we were looking through your work and trying to figure out what the first way we came across you. I think that um, I remember your name kept on popping up attached to quite nice things. Yeah, like uh, the loop, the loops and stuff. Yeah, like and, uh, and, but it was like always these tiny little snippets of, mm. of stuff like animated GIFs or whatever. Um, and then I also think that a lot of people I knew who use Photoshop for mm. animation had watched your tutorial. Yeah. Uh, your Photoshop tutorial, which has 20,000 20, views on yeah, the video, was, which is amazing for yeah. tutorial. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was, that's what I was doing last night, is updating that. So oh, hopefully, really? hopefully, hopefully by the time this goes out, I'll have an updated version for oh, all the stuff I did on CS6 and Creative Cloud and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's... But I guess when you did that, that wasn't like a conscious decision to self-promote. That was maybe just sharing the knowledge and you know, I think sharing that, what you... The Photoshop tutorial was an interesting thing. Um, I I'd wanted to make it for ages, and it was that fear thing again. Like um, for a long time, I would, like there's only very few people who had to do it, and they all do it kind of differently. And I know that I felt like it was an asset that I had, but mm -hmm. I don't like. I also know that I don't want any assets that I have to be software based or like mm. some sort of secret knowledge that yeah, once yeah. someone else figures out, I'm fucked. You know, like mm. I want if I if I've got assets, I want them to be very personal and I want them to be irreplaceable. Like yeah. my own point of view on things. Yeah. And so having this, it almost felt like a burden. It almost felt like if I share it with people, then I can move on and I won't let it hold me back anymore. I won't let it be something that I've got that no one else has and. Mm. Yeah, and it, so and also like everything I know, I learned from other people. So I referenced that in the tutorial. He told mm. me that, and um, try to direct people to their work as well. Right. They're really good as well. Have you had any contact from Adobe at all on that? None. No, 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 none on that. Have um, you tried to send it to them or anything like that? No, but they did sponsor the ADC thing, so they okay. just gave me a, um, a one-year subscription to Creative Cloud, oh, cool. which That's is pretty cool. But because of the award, or because of the uh, no, because of the award. Um, yeah. Which is really cool because I had a reduced. <laughs> Sorry, Adobe, if you're listening. I had a, I kind of scammed a reduced sort of um, fee version right. for the okay. last twelve months. Right. Where like a friend had a copy of um, a 
you know, a, a product. So they get yeah. like a reduction in their cost oh, okay, okay. for 12 months. So I had that for the last 12 months and just before mm-hmm. it's about to tick over to the next 12 months, yeah. I am um, very fortunate to get it for free. Oh, cool. So which is cool. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think like it would be kind of interesting for you to send it to them or whatever. Because I, I think like I've tried to animate in Photoshop and I really don't enjoy it yeah. that much. And I think like it, it's got everything it needs to be a good animation software. But I think it needs someone sitting next to them saying, look, hey, if you just made this button do this or like created a few things. And because for someone like you who works in it quite a lot, it'd be kind of cool if you was yeah. almost went on as a kind of to help develop those Because I, I know that people like, I don't know if you know Andrew Kramer from Video Code. Yeah. Okay. I know that he was involved in the latest development of oh, After Effects. Really? Uh, and, it's uh, perfect, yeah, it's a great idea. Uh, yeah, I think that that's, I mean, um, yeah, maybe, maybe he's invested slightly more time in yeah, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's his. That's kind of half his career is that. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, you know, I benefit I like, from someone like you doing that. I yeah, think. no, I mean, I would love that, and I've learned a lot since I've been here as well. Um, talking to the animated guys, talking mm. to the Moth Collective guys, um, because they all do it a different way. And yeah. okay, um, I thought that they learned off you. Uh, no, no, I think they were doing it before and I was like, oh shit, there's people doing it. And okay. then also Charles Hutner does it oh, yeah. and he does it like a completely, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, my head does not compute how you do this now. Like, mm-hmm. This is crazy. Yeah. I, we, we, we were talking about this as well and we were both saying that um, both you and Charles Hutner have done, uh, I think that the way your work um, moves seems as if it's animated in Photoshop. It seems like yeah. that's informed the way that yeah. it works and yeah. and like the limitations of Photoshop yeah, sure. kind of inform the way it moves. I think in the same way that uh, maybe we've done a bunch of Flash stuff and yeah. it looks a bit like it's done in Flash and the limitations define a little mm. bit, yeah, yeah, the look of it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, Photoshop is great. I mean, the reason I like Photoshop, um, sorry to... <laughs> <laughs> just talk about software, but no. like the reason I, I I like Photoshop personally is because I really like drawing, mm. um, and I like making images that I can like you know I feel connected to when I make the image. But it's yeah. like animating in Flash, I can't enjoy drawing in Flash because it changes my line. I mean, it's mm. not a sensitive line at all. It's not like drawing on a piece of paper. And yeah, I don't I don't know if that's important, but just like it's more enjoyable for me to draw in Photoshop. Okay. And I can also make the final image in Photoshop, so there's no disconnect in my brain. Right, okay. It's not like I'm gonna I'm gonna affect this with After Effects. I'm gonna put like a some sort of texture on it, all this sort of stuff. It's like if it looks good when I draw it, then yeah, I can yeah, just feel committed. Yeah, I can feel committed to that drawing. So do you not do any kind of comp stuff in your work afterwards? I mean, uh, I did a little bit on um, Phantom Limb. Mm-hmm. Some little bits where I put kind of a cheap oil effect because it became really apparent that I was going to run out of time. Right, okay. um, and Phantom Limb was your late night work club ghost stories. Yeah. yeah. And then and then there's a little I mean there's a lot of comp in that film but not much in the animation. And I mean what you were talking about before about the way that maybe Photoshop animation moves and things like that. I mean that's with Phantom Limb I designed that film from the very start to be almost like I wanted it to be almost like a um, if it was still images, I wanted it to be able to tell the story because right. I wanted it to, because yeah. the movement, I wanted to make sure I didn't have to animate too much because it was mostly just me working on it yeah. um, and I had no money to do it and you know, it's just like, this is my studio. So mm. 
you know, I wanted to make sure that the movement wasn't going to be the, the main telling parts of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, I'm not like, you know, I don't think there's any good animation in that. I just think... Did you animate everything uh, yourself? I animated probably about 90% of it. Because okay. um, there is some beautiful animation yeah, yeah, there, for sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, my, like, I think it's an outstanding film. I really, really mm. like oh, it. Thanks, yeah. Uh, no, I was really, really impressed with that. Um, but I think that the thing that really jumped out at me um, that was strong about it was just um, like the overall feeling of it. Like just everything worked well. I mean, mm. I felt like the editing was really strong. I felt the animation was really strong. I felt the performance, storytelling, it all mm. kind of worked. Uh, and it was obviously somebody who was very technically well informed um, going into that. But it, but it wasn't like in any way kind of concerned with the technique. It was much more about like just doing a good film making a good thing. Mm. I think yeah. every part of it felt as considered as yeah, the next I, part. I, I really, just... really like the storyboarding and editing and I think mm. that, oh, we're talking so about much, doing the, doing the uh, you know, like um, thinking of it as, as individual images, I think mm. that works. So. Yeah. yeah, it would have been a cool comic if you'd never animated it. <laughs> did, no. you, did you edit it yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, that was, I tried a new thing with the film, um, which I don't know if I would ever recommend to anybody, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, I, I had a lot of trouble because basically I was like, oh, well, I've got no time, I've got no money, so I can only really make a two-minute film. And I had the idea to make the film, and I was kind of had this like sort of sensation that I wanted to communicate through the film. But I knew that I wanted to make it two minutes, and then so I started writing it. I started writing it like with words, and um, I just couldn't do it because there was no way for me to translate how long what I was writing was going to take on the screen. Yeah. And because it's one limitation, the two-minute thing that I set for myself. I just like I got halfway through a page. It's like, is this a four-minute scene? Is this a thirty-second scene? Yeah. I don't know if I can use this. I can't write another scene after this if I don't know how long the scene's going to be. So I started doing it all as storyboards um, and just writing without a script. I had yeah. sort of you know milestones that I wanted to hit um, and just writing um, using storyboards, which is really really slow. You know, like a scene mm -hmm. might take like a day to write like a scene. Mm. because you're drawing it all and you're putting it into the animatic and seeing yeah. timing it out and then you're like ah oh, that doesn't work and then I don't know it's, I don't know if I I think I would probably do it again but I'd probably start at the start and finish it at the end mm. rather than what I did with that was kind of working in bits right. and scenes and it was really slow it was like a really slow process yeah. was it was that the first film you've ever made yeah and my first, first really film. I kind of feel like that is just the trial and error of making your first ever film. Yeah. I feel like that that's what's taking long. I think that like maybe the, the process of storyboarding is not intrinsically a um, a long winded way of doing things. Yeah. Um, I think it's just that's how they do it in American feature films. They well just, yeah, isn't it? They just, like, write, um, they just storyboard sequences. Yeah, yeah. There's I mean you have I've heard people describing things as like board driven or script driven. Like mm. in animation you get stuff which is um, which is entirely storyboarded and I think it's something that, that came, I, I could be wrong about this, but it came uh, from, from Disney. And yeah. I think, you know, they, that's amazing to think that everybody else was making films with scripts and these guys just said like, oh, we're just going to storyboard 90 minutes of stuff and not write mm. a single thing. Down. Amazing, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that like, if you, if you can, I think if you kind of, you have a little bit of a sense of what works from experience, yeah. like you, maybe you don't have to put it all in the animatic and time it out and you can just sketch it out. Yeah. Um, Maybe that would be a quicker way. Would you? What did you sort of take from that process? Would you, Would you do a combination of both next time, or would you just completely? I, mean, no, I just remember it being really hard, 
and wondering if there was a better way to do it. Mm. Um, there's so many scenes that I storyboarded and put in and it didn't work and it just feels like there was a lot of, you lot of energy. A lot of yeah, a lot of stuff, like 80% of the stuff. Really? really? Yeah. Like, there was a lot, I mean, it was about, like, for me the film was about hitting it, um, uh, as, as I said, like a sensation that I wanted mm. people to sort of feel at the end of it. Not like an, an, not an emotional thing, just like a, almost a physical thing. And it was really hard to, to find a, like a narrative to that. Okay. Um, which is another thing that I sort of think that I was doing too much of is having, um, worrying about sort of big sort of metaphorical statements and things like that. Yeah, and yeah. not letting the narrative sort of have its own, finding its own way through. <clears throat> it felt yeah. like you kind of had these like, bumper guards in the bowling alley and it's kind of right. and it kind of wasn't allowed to go where it wanted to go which was something else that I learned a lot in the film um, it's I think you I think you did achieve that because I mean it it's um, it, it's two minutes but then after you watch it well it's actually it ended up being four and a half oh okay because I'd be like okay so it's now it's two minutes I'm like oh I kind of want to add this little scene in right, and right, then I'd right. be like oh, okay well that works better so yeah Obviously, we have to keep it, otherwise we're going to have a two-minute shit film or a two-minute, fifteen-minute, right, right. yeah. two-minute, fifteen, slightly better film. And then you'd be kind of, and then I was like, it was kind of very wishy-washy. But I think even four and a half minutes is quite short for, I think it's a good, yeah. Like, I watched um, Nicholas Maynard's film, um, have you seen that one? Yeah. It's amazing. It's, I think it's about six minutes, and I think that, I think that is incredible. Like a six-minute kind of mark. Or that no, movie. his film is incredible. Oh, right, I mean, right. It doesn't feel like six minutes at all. It feels right, like right. ten seconds. Like, but I, I think like there's there's kind of there's kind of two kind of compliments I suppose you can kind of get from having a short film is one that like, or like a film around six minutes is one that it can whiz by and you're like oh that didn't feel like six minutes and that can feel that's a good thing because sometimes films can drag on but then I think it's nice that you feel a big story in in a short space of time and I think like. Definitely with your film, it felt like a complex story, a narrative, uh, and you take a lot away from it, even though it's like four and a half minutes. And I think that's the one of the things I really enjoyed most about it, that it, it felt like there was a lot of information yeah. that you could take from it in, yeah, in a short space. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, I think I had like, because it's my first film, I had a lot of insecurity and I had, I also had a lot of energy, like just frustration. Like I've seen so many films and you know, the sort of the Disney standard. And I mean, they're great um, sort of short film and they're kind of like pinnacle of storytelling, but I don't, I, I, it was a real conflict while I was making it to make sure that I wasn't kind of following those rules. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, oh man, there's so many of those films out there already. And I, and I think, you know, parts of it do have, I, I just think what I was learning was you can't break all the rules at once. Like I just wanted to break all the rules. Yeah. Like at the same time, like, no, I think, I've got to break like one rule, like for the one for the whole film, like do everything straight and just break one rule, which is like the next film I make is maybe gonna be a lot less conflicted. Hopefully, I guess that's what everyone says. But then they make the second yeah. film and then they're like, man, nah, this is just as hard as the first film. You know? I think you did some cool stuff. Like we were, we were watching it before you arrived, and um, one of the things I noticed this time around was that how you changed the um, aspect ratio. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was allowed to do that. I, but yeah, it looks great though. I really <laughs> like that. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I watched. I watched um, something and it had that shot, and I was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. I don't know if anyone noticed that. <laughs> do you know what? Like, uh, I was watching. Um, 
I think it was like the Dark Knight Rises or something, and they do it in that. They do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It and changes also, aspect ratio, and it's like yeah. it just makes it feel like epic for like a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like, who, yeah, like what? Who says that you can't do that? I think yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I think it increasingly it's getting more and more um, uh, possible to change aspect ratios. Yeah, mm. the way people watch. Well, I mean, that's that was your film, right? Well, that was amazing because your your film had the. Uh, the uh, the aspect ratio completely yeah, yeah, flipped, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was and, but it was like totally to do with the story, and that and it like and it all tied up in the end. And it kind of felt like mm. it confronts you with this sort of like change of format at the start. And you're like, why are they doing this? This is dumb. And then uh, like straight away, it's like, oh, of course, this is awesome. Like, why didn't I think of this? Like, mm. this is, you know, you can have any any. I don't know. It it was really well done. I was really like really blown away by it. Yeah, the uh, it was it was funny because uh, I'd known Bjorn for a long time. Um, and we lived together in university when we were about 19, I think. Uh, and I remember we were trying to write a film which never got made. Uh, and we were storyboarding it. And we, would, we had to decide what, like we were doing the animatic. This is, how, this is about as far as we got. I think we got finished the animatic. Right, right. Um, but we, were, we got as far as um, setting up the comp. And after it, then we were like, what, what um, aspect ratio is it going to be? I remember just having this big argument about it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't think we need to do it in like super widescreen. And, and, and he was like, he was like, no, it's got to be, it's going to look so much more, um, uh, it's going to like look at higher production value if we do it widescreen. Um, and I was like, I don't know, like, why do we have to fucking do stuff widescreen because everyone else is blah, blah, blah. And we had this argument about it. And then to his credit, he came back the next day and he's like, you're absolutely right, like, fuck aspect ratios, do, do it whatever, do it however you want. And then I remember we, when we did our film, uh, I storyboarded the whole thing in 16 by 9. Uh, and then Bjorn um, was doing a lot of the concept illustrations. Um, and I remember him, I said, hey, come check this out, I think I've finished it, I think I've done the whole animatic. And it's a really elaborate animatic. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, in his, in his, in his like, Bjorn way, just kind of like quietly looked over it and he goes, yeah, it looks nice. How about doing it in 9 by 16? <laughs> <laughs> how about just rotating it? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... When I was saying do it widescreen, I meant the other way. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to punch him in the face, but I also kiss him at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great... Kiss your fist. And then <laughs> <laughs> it was a great idea. And I'm glad and we went back and, and redid it, uh, redid the whole thing. Um, and it was, uh, it was a good decision. Uh, but yeah, no, that, those kind of things I think are, are interesting. Uh, there is uh, there was one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which was the way in which you made that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's also quite unique, um, and I suppose modern, um, which was that you made it. Uh, it was uh, it was an omnibus of shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, was there ten shorts? Oh no. man. Oh man, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a bunch. It's, yeah, it's a bunch. It's a bunch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there was people all working remotely um, yeah. together uh, to produce shorts, which were which went out. And I think you can still only view them as a whole. Right? Yeah. Gonna, all all the films together in one. Yeah. I think um, we're, gonna, we're starting to break them up into short, okay. short film right. stuff, like for festivals. But it's yeah. gonna, online. They're going to stay as mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah. And who uh, this the late night work club? Yeah. Uh, ghost stories and it was who was the guy who 
set that whose concept it was? Um, I think originally it was Scott Benson. Okay. You know, he, he's in Pennsylvania and he's just finished crowdfunding a um, a game. Oh, have, yeah, you, have, you, have you been watching that? And yeah, cool. I, I've seen like he put a thing online about. It. It yeah, like he, they just got. I think they put a budget up for fifty thousand, and they got two hundred and something oh, thousand dollars. Really? <laughs> so they've like four hundred percent over point. Yeah. I'm, I'm so proud of those guys. It's like him and yeah. another guy who's. I think they're quite. He's quite an established game designer. Right. Um, uh, yeah, but Scott is. Um, Scott is a bit of a genius and he put up this tweet and like Twitter's been a big thing for me since I moved here but he put up this tweet and he's like what if we had animation that was like no brow um, where there's like it's they just got all these artists that you like put them all into one sort of group mm. and then um, and it's kind of curated and just, and you have a theme and everyone just makes whatever they want to that theme mm. and we put it out together and promote each other right. and sort of have this like you know, big snowball of like, sort of um, interest, I guess, mm. in what we're doing. Um, but it, like, he like he did get a lot of interest, but it, that was never like why he wanted to do it. I think he just wanted to make something that was good and something that was connected to, and this to is each before, other. This is how late night work club started. Yeah, this right. is like this is maybe like early two thousand thirteen. He's put up this tweet, and I was like, sounds amazing. Um, yeah, you should do it, man. And then. And then a couple of months later, I get this email from him and Eamon O'Neill, uh, Eamon McNamara and uh, Charles Hutner saying, hey, would you like to be part of this thing called Late Night Work Club? Um, and then basically laying out that, that same tweet thing. Um, yeah, so, and honestly, it was Scott kind of, he's the brains trust behind it. He mm -hmm. was the guy sending out emails to make sure we hit our deadlines. He was the one sort of saying, we're going to make a teaser trailer, we're going to make a trailer, we're mm. going to make um, all this stuff. And, you know, he he gets the internet, you know. He mm, knows yeah. what he knows, like, I think because he's kind of like, you know, everything that he wants to see is also what, like, a million other people want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just kind of like, he's just so, like, I don't know, he's just so open and uh, in touch with that part of himself mm. where he can kind of, say, well, I want to see it and I'm going to make it happen. And yeah, yeah. then he makes it happen. And then everyone else is like, yeah, why didn't I think of that? So mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of how it got started. And I think that's how his game got so successful, like got so much attention as well, because he's kind of just one step ahead. It's, it's brilliant. I, I mean, it's just like, I love hearing stuff like that. Like yeah. people just not waiting around for the Absolutely. money to just go and do it. And, or, or I think so much of like our industry is about can, us trying to convince people to give us a shot or I've got like you said like to go and work in New York you have to have an award and to go and do it and there's all these kind of holes you have to kind of yeah loops or whatever you've got to jump through and then you've just got people like that who who are kind of utilizing like yeah. the, the best tool ever I think is the internet and Absolutely. they get it and they're just just killing it man. and I, I think it's amazing it's I think so it's like cool. I think it's a really interesting thing and any like anyone who embraces that succeeds I think there's all you know or has the opportunity to succeed yeah. far more than what they would have had before um, the like going to, going overseas and like talking just it's a bit of a tangent but like having um, we had to do Airbnb to go to America so mm. we stayed at Airbnb but there's all this talk about New York City kind of track crack down on Airbnb yeah I was going to say but I didn't want to start talking about Airbnb no well I, I think it has a practice like, it is an, it's like an analogy or something, of, right? of what's happening now with yeah. the internet so there's a petition 
to save it. That's yeah, well, basically, Airbnb in New York represents sort of a new system. And the reason it's working is because, you know, people want it. And it, it, the reason it's succeeding is because people weren't able to do it before. People weren't as yeah. connected. There wasn't this service before. And the old system is stay at a hotel, mm. pay four times the amount to stay at like some big hotel. That money goes to some oligarch somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But this, this way is like connecting one person to another person. Mm. Um, you know, they've got a spare bed or they've got like a, a, a room that they've got. That, and so people can connect directly. Yeah. And people that want to stop that just kind of don't get the direction that no. this tidal wave is moving. No. People are getting more and more connected. So if you want to like be the old guard and say, we've got to protect our hotels, you're completely missing the point. The yeah. hotels either have to adapt or they're going to die. Yeah, if yeah. you're going to sit, stand in the mud and say, I'm not moving, you know, yeah. I'm going to try to stop this tidal wave. It's really kind of like, it's the death knell for your industry. I mean, the yeah. music industry did it and then Apple kind of dominates the music industry because yeah. they were the one group that yeah decided to go along with how yeah to, to say things are changing and we're going to take advantage of it we're going to make the most of it and it's the same just to bring it back around it's the yeah, same yeah. with creativity on the internet people mm. can get upset about the inundation of work the inundation of like people producing copies of work as well yeah. um, you know people can get upset about it but I mean you're not going to stop yeah. the internet you're not going to stop connection of people and the reason it's working is because it connects to people on like a pretty deep level, I think. People's Well you can you can connect with someone who's exactly yeah. like minded like you. Yeah. You're not like you people will not connect unless you uh, or will not bite from a tweet if it doesn't speak to them directly. Yeah. And it's like I mean, have you even met Scott Benson? No. I mean, and he's. Probably, how many, this is this is yeah. this was the main thing that I wanted to ask. Yeah. Oh, how, yeah, many, yeah, how, many the, how many of those people? <laughs> yeah. Do you have you met? Um, well, as a result of playing that work club, I've got to hang out with guys in London a lot more, like yeah. Eamon and Dave Prosser. Um, those guys are really nice. Um, uh, and I got to go meet Jake Armstrong when I went to New York oh, yeah. last year. And that was about the time that I started writing Phantom Limb. Like I, I bought like a like a little bamboo and like oh, really? tablet and and I brought my laptop over and I was going to start making the film while I was in New York last year and that was a mistake because it's New York and you just want to get drunk every night <laughs> yeah. and eat pizza um, so that was that wasn't that wasn't successful but I did get to meet Jake and then Jake um, he was really helpful because Jake is a badass story guy you know yeah. and he also storyboards on lots of TV shows and stuff like that and, um, so he has like a good sense of timing and story structure and things like that so at a certain point I sent him my animatic and he would you know we'd like google hang out and he'd just talk mm. me through things like his impressions of it and he did the same his film to me which one was his film uh mountain ash okay yeah um yeah i mean you should talk to jake about that because they mm. it was kind of his stuff like they had a very different film it got 70 percent of the way through and they decided to to can it and then they he had a very short amount of time and he was like fuck it you know I've spent so long trying to make a film, I'm going to make a film, even mm. if it's like, you know, I've only got like a month and a half or something to make the entire yeah, film. So that was done in a month and a half? Okay. Yeah, you'd have to ask him, but okay. it's, it's pretty, um, it's very quick turnaround. So like he mm. was just like, yeah, I've got this idea, and he just made it straight away. Yeah. He's, he's very fast at what he does too. So, 
And there's never been a point where everyone's been in a room together. Who oh, no way. Me. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it took me ages to even meet Eamon. Like, yeah. he's in the same city as me. And yeah. I mean, I've loved his work for ages, and mm. we've talked about working together even before Late Night Work Club. And Did you feel like it was important to meet him, or that it was... Or have you felt like it's been... Uh, change your relationship with the people that you oh uh, I mean it definitely feel I definitely feel close to all the people in the group um, yeah it was really important for me to be part of that group as well um, yeah because everyone in the group had made films before and they're all super great like I respect all of their work mm. way before late night work up and knowing that my work had to be next to theirs mm. was so much pressure and mm. I put a lot it was like I can't phone this in like I've got to I've got to make something awesome because it's mm. like next to like BAFTA nominees and like mm. you know internet celebrities and things like you know like and all these people and like and that's that's all that stuff's bullshit what I care about is like I care I love their work yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and I didn't want to look like a dick next to them you know because <laughs> when you put your stuff next to those guys it's like it's, it's quite easy to look like a chump you but, know but <laughs> do you know what maybe that's the kind of like the fact that you were thinking that and some of the people have been nominated for BAFTA and that that kind of I mean, definitely for me, like, no offence to any other word, but yours is definitely one of the standout pieces. And maybe it's because you can't, you didn't have that initial uh, platform that maybe everyone else had, or, like, I don't, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, like... You didn't have that exposure. Before. Yeah, yeah. Although I think you, you know, people were aware of you, but maybe it's that kind of you thinking that that has made you sort of push yeah. it harder or... It was, it was a little, yeah, it definitely was a little bit of that. And it was also, I've worked on other people's short films for a long time. And um, and I worked on like helping other people make projects for a long time, mm. um, and I think I just wanted to make a project that I completely owned, and I didn't have any excuses. Like I didn't have clients, and I didn't have. So it was like if I make this film, it's like I've got to. It's got to be like the culmination of everything I care about, um, which is so much pressure to put on yeah. yourself to make a film, but it was kind of like. You know, it was double-edged, so it was a lot of pressure, and it was a lot of negativity, but it was also a lot of um, energy. There was so much energy, like, it just felt like it was going to explode for most of the, most of the film. It's just, yeah. yeah. I think, but it, it's, it's funny, like, this, the last few years have been the first time that I've seen a lot of people making films uh, completely on their own outside of an institution, mm -hmm. uh, and making, like, really high-quality stuff. Uh, and not following the normal um, procedures that that people usually go through when they make films, they usually get funding, uh, and they maybe they make it as part of a production company, and they set a designated amount of time aside, uh, and then they release it, and it goes for two years around festivals, mm. uh, and then finally they'll put it up online almost mm. as an afterthought. But I, but what was different about, I mean, particularly what you guys did, but also a, a number of other things that I've seen online recently, was it was really high quality. It the genesis happened online, the um, all the collaborative aspect of it happened online, um, and then you guys immediately released it online. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it seems like, I don't know. It seems like I, I don't know what you guys think, but I kind of feel like almost since I've been doing animation, which is 10 years or something, now is the most alive and exciting yeah. time for like short films in animation. Yeah. And it's because of these systems that people have managed to set up where they're working collaboratively, either remotely or together in the same place and managing to work 
their work life around their creative life and um, uh, and it's a and, and, and very little of it is is actually coming out of universities or comparatively yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you know you don't need you don't need permission anymore you know, yeah, you, yeah. You just like, yeah. And I think it's like a shift. I mean, for me, I you know came up through that system, and now I'm part of like, you know, this sort of change that's. Happening. So you came up through which system? Through the old school, sort of like you know, like. So you, you went, went to university. I went to university degree. and I got a degree. And that was I, in Australia. That was in Australia, and then I worked on a film called The Cat Piano. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so that was my first job out of uni, which was incredible. I was like, I was following that blog for ages. And where where was that? It was in Adelaide, in Australia, and um, it was a, a studio called People's Republic of Animation, mm -hmm. and it was directed by Eddie White and Ari Gibson. And Ari was the one who showed me how to use Photoshop as an animation oh, okay. tool. Because um, I was like, you're crazy, man. You've animated with Photoshop. And he's like, yeah, check this out. And like within a day, I had a shot done. Right. So it was like, oh, well, that's so much better than... Like, I, I'd given up on 2D. Like, I wasn't interested in 2D animation at oh, all. Yeah, but yeah, that, you're... A, 3D you about it later as well, but you're quite an accomplished 3D animator. Yeah, I mean, 3D's been my bread and butter for ages. Right, right. But um, yeah, 2D, I like drawing, so... yeah. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so they did, we did Cat Piano and like we um, had to release it, you know, the festival circuit. Is that a thing? Alarm's going off. Not alarm's oh, going off. Someone's going <laughs> So yeah, I had to release it by the festival system um, because it was funded by a, right. a festival. And then, so it had to be offline for like two years mm. or something. And then there was a big freak out because we had a screener online and um, and then it got sort of shortlisted for the Oscars, and the Os like the Academy, like the Academy, wrote the producer an email saying, "How long has this been online?" And then it might not be eligible. It's the Cat Piano. Yeah, it got nominated for an Oscar. No, it got shortlisted. It's, oh, like, okay. it's like sort of ten film shortlist that they um. do. Um, <laughs> so it was, you know, so I had this like that was my introduction to the industry was right. that system where right. you, you have to do the festivals um, and then you have to do you know, keep it offline so it can be eligible for these things. And it felt really arbitrary to me. Yeah. Like, I thought the film was great. Um, I felt like people wanted to see it, but only very select few people could see it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It feels like Late Night Work do, Club is a good... Do, do you, uh, just purely on the releasing things before they're, um, before they've done the festival circuit, do you think that that was a good decision? Are you happy that you guys did that? Because obviously you're, there's like festivals that you're not eligible for quite a few, I imagine. Yeah, uh, I got like, when are, you, when are you putting this online, do you think? Like this? Uh, the, I, I, we have no idea. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. uh, I guess it's going to be after the like press release date, but I got, we got accepted, like, I've, I've only entered in a handful of festivals, but um, we just got accepted into Sun, uh, my film got accepted into Sundance as a, as a Friday. As like, a, stone, a standalone film. Yeah, as a standalone Wow, that's film. great. So despite it's, it's online, it could, um, so, I mean, that's amazing. Like, I'm ne I've never screened in a festival. Um, yeah. Obviously, Sundance is like, it's kind of a big, big thing to yeah, be part yeah, of. Yeah, so, yeah, wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, so I'm like, ah, it's crazy. But, you know, it's online already, mm. and they still accepted it. Um, so, you know, like, if I, if, they, that's a pretty big deal. I'm going to yeah. enter in the Annecy It's good well. to hear that they're... Um, I mean, I think Annecy are not bothered about it being online. No. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's, a, it's good to hear like a big festival like Sundance is ignoring that model now and yeah. maybe some other big ones will follow suit. I know that they don't, uh, don't mind. Oh, really? If it's that's online, great. yeah. Cool. Because, I mean, like, what is... Yeah, it doesn't What's mean it going to make it to them? I mean, like, in, even with the Oscars, like, 
it's not like none of the films that are being nominated you people couldn't have seen you know yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's just again it's like uh, you know big uh, com- companies or organizations or power structures getting on board with something that's changing mm. yeah absolutely so it, I mean the institution doesn't doesn't change shit quickly no. and I mean people lose get disillusioned with the institution as soon as they get left behind so they'll catch up eventually but mm. and you know a lot of festivals are catching up so like very quickly it's just right. you know I think the academy is going to be the slowest to, to catch up yeah honestly because um, they are like an old institution and mm. they will and you know I, I respect their decision to fight for what they believe cinema is and cinema to them is on the big screen it's at you know it's at a public space and mm. once things sort of shift out of that it, it means something different to them which mm. is fine um, it just means that I mean David O'Reilly is an interesting one because I think his Please Say Something is like one of the best films of my generation and he like, I don't know what the story is but he either wasn't eligible or he made himself uneligible for the Oscars <laughs> that like sounds he, more like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so and I you know I think that's that's a good sign, you know. Like yeah, yeah, he's not interested. And I mean, awards and festivals and stuff like that, the arbitrary to actual filmmaking. You know, they they like they help with what I was saying before about awards or whatever, but they open doors for you that just being having good attitude and making good work maybe doesn't open the doors. Mm. And unfortunately, that's a game we have to play sometimes if mm. we want to make a living doing what we do. Yeah. But as long as it doesn't get it, I my my big thing, and I was really worried about this until the last couple of years is that people always say I always hear this sentence like funding bodies love it or yeah, yeah, or yeah. festivals love this yeah, you know yeah. when they're coming up with the ideas mm. and that's crazy to me that's mm. so crazy it's like festivals are there to champion good creative work you're not there yeah. to placate a festival you know you know so internet but internet's the same you know you can put like a, a cat falling over and that's got no artistic merit, no. but it's funny as hell, and people yeah. like a trillion people watch it, yeah, and yeah. that doesn't mean it's a great film, yeah, you know. So yeah, so so sometimes people are like, oh, internet will love it, you know, and then that's mm. the same thing. Like, yeah, but then that becomes kind of like a a formula as well that like, you know, you get companies that open up that just specialize in trying to produce viral videos, and there's like a kind of <laughs> I love this. There's a, <laughs> there's like a kind of like a Recipe or something. Sorry? A recipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, babies, boobies, and cats. It's like, yeah, yeah. It just just needs one with, you need a baby kitten with some big tits. And you're like, okay, (laughs) I've got a lot of hits. You know, you should make that before you put this podcast out because it's going to be, that's going to be huge. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things, like, uh, so the, I mean, I guess the internet was a big uh, part of this thing, but one of the most impressive things uh, for me. Um, I guess I mean there's been a couple of times this year where I've been quite uh, quite impressed by this but um, the fact that you guys were also able to organise an event in London yeah. which was uh, which was huge uh, a lot of people came to that and I couldn't I couldn't get in to see the film you didn't, Did you watch uh, the second you didn't see it no no not even the second screen no I mean I, I could have probably like pushed to the front uh, and and probably stuck my head in you know mm. uh um, stuck my head in the back of the room, whatever. But uh, I, I just thought like it was. I was having such good chats with so many people I hadn't seen in a while. I thought mm. I'll just watch this tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Get in early and watch it. But uh, 
but yeah no it was, it was so cool to like bring all those people together I think for that night it was it a few hundred people no, mm. came to that thing yeah yeah it packed out the bar packed out the upstairs bit if there was a fire the animation industry in would be wiped out <laughs> yeah <laughs> catastrophic yeah um but I think that that, I mean, that to me was really important that you guys organized that thing. And, uh, and I think that that's another thing, like I kind of feel like um, that's a fairly recent development is you get all these different people at dis- different stripes coming in one place mm-hmm. on one night because they've heard some guys talking about stuff on Twitter for a year or two. And yeah. it. I, I, I was really happy we got to do the, um, the screening. I mean, that, that was a big distraction because I organized that. And only in the end, I could have organized it in an afternoon, but I was trying to organize a place where, you know, it was an empty room, it was a giant empty room, and then I'd have to organize a, a, a theater, uh, like, a, a, like a, a projector, and they have to organize seats, and I have to buy beer for everyone. But in the end, Bar Kick uh, let us have their space for free, and they have a giant TV, and um, yeah, so it was fun. I mean, I, I think that I'm always trying to look at the um, sort of the, the, I don't know, like the human sort ofness of like anything that's sort of popular or anything that people are interested in. Mm. And to me, like, I think everyone just wanted to connect to each other. Yeah. And, you know, Twitter's fine, but it's a little bit, you know, superficial or it's like just very short, very sort of public things. Mm. And it was really important for me to organize just a place to get drunk together. I didn't care, like, if people got to see the film, if it was like, because they can watch it online. It was more about getting people with similar interests in the same room. And then getting them really drunk and hopefully crossing over. Like, um, I'm like, what I'm doing this afternoon is I'm meeting up with two guys who I met at the screening, like mm-hmm. having a beer with them. And stuff. But even before that, like we, I think we were all kind of even before me and Sam met, we would have all been aware of each other online yeah. in some yeah, capacity. It's funny. I, it's really definitely, funny. without the internet, this yeah. wouldn't be happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's 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 really interesting to meet people. Uh, and start chatting to them and then suddenly realise that you know their work intimately like yeah. after about 15 <laughs> minutes of talking. I remember Wes. Or like you'd been yeah. talking to them online yeah. before and be like, oh my God, that's you, hey, like we were talking last week. And yeah, yeah. Back. And that happens, I think, probably a little bit more in animation than in... Yeah. yeah. In I've, I've talked to friends about this. Like animation seems like a really tight community um, and then people compare it to things like design and there's a little bit more animosity between people in design really yeah like um, the friends that I've talked to like they're not very community oh man I can't wait for the flame war after the (laughs) (laughs) no but like friends that I've talked to like they're like wow how did you get so many people that are screening and they're all like happy to talk to each other and stuff that wouldn't happen in design so much is it a bit more like fuck that guy in design well I think it's a I think it's a little bit like it's very hard to define your own work um, in some other fields, like some fields, mm-hmm. it's hard to define your own work, but in animation, it's very easy to define your own work because you do it with your hands and you make it all by hand. Yeah. Whereas design is kind of using age old sort of rules to structure things and then, then trying to implement your own ideas, but hopefully your design sort of s- sits in the background and yeah, so pushes your ideas to the front. Is I that, that sorry, go ahead. I, I suppose there must be, it must be easier to copy someone's style in design. Maybe. I mean, in animation, like, if there's a really good animator, you can't just copy his stuff like and animate it to the same standard. You and buy every right if you can, and you're a good animator yourself. You know, like yeah. I'd say one of the defining characteristics of animation is there's a really high barrier to entry. Yeah. In skill. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that that is a massive factor 
in a lot of people's decision to get involved in animation. Like they feel that uh, they want to be, um, they want to hang out with a bunch of people who've spent ten years devoting themselves to, you know, to, you know, being at the same level as absolutely. That I, and it's really like rare. Like I, when I was a kid, I was the only person who drew, and I thought, you know, I'm probably the only person in the world that draws. And I'm probably going to be the best in the world. And, like, <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I was, I was like living in like a country town in Australia. I was like, I'm the only person who draws. This is pretty sweet. And then I went to uni. Yeah, as you and, then, as and I was, the, I was definitely bottom of the class. You know, like I and I didn't even know about the internet. Like I didn't like I just knew about the internet for emails and like staying in touch with friends. I didn't know there was art on the internet. Like, and then I found the art on the internet. Like I was like. Deviant art, that's amazing. And then I was like, yeah. let's draw anime. And I just, you know, I, I was like, it was kind of this real growth period where I like met people that did what I did and they all like were like me. And they, well, you know, they, they drew a lot and they had to work really hard to draw mm. well. And then, and I wasn't interested in animation at all. I was like interested in drawing and I was like interested in filmmaking, but I wasn't interested in animation and that sort of came later. But, you know, like, I, I got to uni and like there's all these people and they're better than me and they know animation directors by names and yeah. stuff and I was like what the hell is this world that I'm I think, in? I think that that's a really interesting right passage and I saw it happen mm. pretty much with every year that when I was at university every new year coming in you get so, everybody was like the hotshot in their school you know and it was just like something that they did because that's what they did and that's what they've always done mm. and like they were the guy in the class who drew and they got that was where all their positive reinforcement kind of came socially yeah. like uh, and then suddenly they were thrown into an environment where everybody else was at a, a similar, a similar if not better level, and uh, suddenly had to up their game massively, mm. and like their confidence had to be completely rebuilt. And I think that I don't know. I think that's a really healthy thing. For, for oh, absolutely. It was. It was. You know, it was growing up. You know, like going mm. from a seventeen-year-old first year uni to to graduating uni and having been through that, and then being surrounded. I guess half our universe, half my course was. Um, a lot older than me, like, you know, in their 20s, and they're, like, international students coming right. to Australia, and they were just, you know, badass at what they yeah. did, and I was, like, this, like, you know, I'm used to just, like, copying, dra like, videotaping Dragon Ball Z, and, like, copying <laughs> the pose, and going, well, that's a cool muscle, yeah. and then, like, having to go to life drawing class, and be surrounded by these guys who, are, like, mm -hmm. do, 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 beautiful life drawings, and I'm, yeah. like, this doesn't look like Dragon Ball Z, like, <laughs> do, so do you still do life drawing? Uh, I... I don't do it as much in classes. I, I usually warm up with a with a like a black drawing app that's on like the web. <laughs> okay. So like We're still got to be internet based. Shit, what's it called? Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll give you guys a link. I put think it we can do show notes. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to yeah. post it. But I like anytime I do like start a day, I usually spend twenty minutes doing. Um, oh really? Um, it's just basically it's just a, it's an app that's online and it's just collected a whole bunch of like life drawing sort of photography mm. and then it cycles through every two minutes or how have a long. Time. Oh, so you you can only draw it for like two minutes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Right? Yeah, I've heard of that actually. It sounds like a great idea. It's so good to get warmed up to, and yeah. it's like life drawing is kind of my version of meditation because like yeah. it takes about twenty minutes and then you like and then you zone out and you're just drawing yeah. and that's a good way to start the yeah. day for me. It's, uh, sorry, uh, do you keep a sketchbook other than that? Like, uh, uh, I draw like yeah, a lot. Um, I've got the uh, I've got this like little sketchbook. 
I usually have like these little moleskin ones. Okay. Um, you take them on the tube. Yeah, so. just anything that I can fit in my pocket. I used to like a big change for me was where um, I can't find it, but there was a big change for me was when I stopped showing people my sketchbook. Okay. Um, which like made me rediscover drawing. Like, yeah, I'd, like that's fair. Because at university, like everyone would be like, "Hey." And they just take your sketchbook out of your hand and like yeah. look through your sketches. So you kind of had to be like prepared. You had to make sure your sketchbook was really sweet. Yeah. yeah. And and then I was like, I got really self-conscious and I stopped drawing so much. Um, yeah. But now I stopped showing people and I share it online every now and again if I like mm. something. But mm. it's but it really is a sketchbook. It's not work absolutely it's like all my finished work is kind of it's you know it's finished or it's like mm. a sketchbook and they look shit 99% of the time yeah, and yeah. just like they're me trying to figure out stuff um, mm. and they're not shareable at all like yeah. if, if like a story went through my like sketchbook they're like well this guy's a dunce and then like yeah. next <laughs> yeah. Yeah. apparently like even these like Michelangelo and that destroyed so much of their yeah. drawings I, know, I, yeah. Can, yeah. I, can, I can understand that completely I'm yeah. quite similar to Michelangelo <laughs> <laughs> it, it brings you on to a question like because uh, you're talking, we've been talking about how much you're into drawing, and um, but then yeah, you, you come from a three D background. Mean, Is that before you did two D stuff? I I think when I was at uni, I was like, well, there's no chance I'll ever work in this profession as a two D. No, as as like anything. Really? Like, well, there was just no industry and. In, in Brisbane, like okay. there was one studio, and there was a game studio. There was game studios around, and I was like, "Well, I guess I'll finish this, and I'll figure out what I'm going to do." But um, so I was like, "Well, the best career decision is to learn 3D." So I learned 3D, um, and I was doing concept art sort of more at the time. And I worked at a game studio with like work experience in the last year of uni, mm. and they let me do concept art there, and that was really great. And that was kind of my dream job at the time was doing concept art. Um, so I got to indulge those two things. Like to me, three D animation was really nice because you get to bring these characters to life, mm. and to me that felt important um, and sort of like a worthwhile pursuit. Was sort of this weird magic of bringing characters to life in three D. And then the two D that we had at the time was either flash single animation or on paper. Mm. And on paper, I'm just not good at that. Like. Mm. I mean, I draw on paper all the time, but you know, things go wrong, and you'd be like, "Oh, well, I've, I've ripped this page, and then I want to erase this bit, and like my mm. my peg holes are like stretched out, and yeah. they have like flickers on screen, and like fucking peg holes." Yeah, bro. and then we're just like, oh, I don't know, it just like drove me nuts, and I was like, "This is a fucking chore, and I don't enjoy this at all." So I'm like, "I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do single animation." I enjoy three D animation, and I enjoy drawing, and then at the end of that, um, they I got a job where they were like well, you can draw and you can do 3D animation and you're fresh out of university so we can pay you not very much. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, I say that and it's kind of disrespectful because like I was one of the only people that got, you know, a reason. all the animators got paid but the directors and art directors and stuff didn't really get paid for the for the job. Really? Well, you know, because it was their film and they were kind of like... Oh, okay, okay. They should have got paid and I definitely like feel bad. What film was it? The, the Cat Piano. Oh, oh, so you were working 2D? Yeah. Okay, so you didn't go, you didn't work after university in 3D in a company? Uh, no, I, I worked at a game studio and then they were like, you can have a concept art job and then I was like, that's amazing. That's a, and then we moved to Japan instead and um, I taught English for six months or something. And oh, really? I just kept working on my concept art stuff and then while I was there, it was like global financial crisis and all of the game studios in Brisbane shut down. Wow. And I was like, 
wow, that's shit. <laughs> like the game, like the game studio that I got offered a job at as well shut down. Um, and then there was like the only job postings there were for animation, like three D animation. I was like, man, I really backed the wrong horse here. Maybe I should focus on my animation stuff. So I, I moved home for like a month, um, and I did three D animation and worked on that. And is that like like rigging and modeling or just literally just animation, okay. just three D animation? I I suck at all that other stuff. Where did you uh, Where did you work? Um, nowhere. No, I no, I didn't. So you didn't go and work for a company. No, I worked. You mean in Japan or? Yeah. So you said you came back from Japan to Australia to to, to work. No, I just I just worked in my my bedroom ah, for like a month or two, and then on my twenty first birthday, my friend came up from Adelaide for my birthday party. I'm like, that's amazing. And she like, she was, hey, do you want to work on a short film? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, we've got a job and we want you to do it. I'm like, that's amazing. Best birthday party ever. So, and then that was the 2D job. Right, right, right. Okay. So I, they saw my 3D animation that I was working on and they also had been following my blog of my concept art stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like a weird, weird turn. And that, you know, obviously introduced me back into 2D animation world. And then I like most of my work since then has been three D animation in London. Uh, in Australia, I worked for about three years in Australia. Oh really? Um, yeah, and then and then in London, I was just you know I was doing three D animation. That's been my bread and butter, and that's my reel is mostly three D animation. Mm. And I had to make a pretty concerted effort to leave that behind. I had to sort of say I'm not not doing it. What? And because they there was work there for you if you wanted it. Yeah, and I feel like really privileged that there was work there for me. Um, and I'd worked really hard to be able to get to a level where there would be work there for me. And I, you know, I've done a lot of study and a lot of studies of things mm. and worked really hard to get to that. But I, um, so now I don't know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to like, I think I was just fed up with 3D. It felt like, to me, by the end, it just felt like I was watching someone else work. It didn't, right. I didn't feel connected to it at all. It didn't, yeah, it just it wasn't w what I was enjoying, and it felt it felt like I wasn't doing as good a work anymore as well because mm -hmm. I wasn't as into it. So mm -hmm. I think that's a dangerous position to be in, um, where where I'm not motivated. So I had to sort of take myself out of that, and um, the first yeah, and Phantom Limb was kind of yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I did a short I, another short piece called. Finger Puppets, which I was, was three. Gonna try and bring that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Finger so Puppets good. was a three D thing, and I like I left an amazing job um, with Ben Hibben at Nexus, um, doing a three D job for Salvation Army. I was kind of okay. I'm finishing now, and then now I'm going to do this Finger Puppets thing for a couple of weeks. So I did that. That was really fun. So good. It's so good. Now, yeah. Even just the way it looks is just brilliant. Yeah, so my friend Ryan Kirby, um, who I work, who I work with a lot, he worked with me on Finger, um, Phantom Limb and my new music video as well. And he, um, he's a genius 3D guy. He's got a very similar attitude to me as yeah. well. So it makes it really easy to work together, I think. Yeah. What, what was the kind of... Uh, cause it, if, it's, it feels very sexual, but it's not... <laughs> it's not uh, we, could, we could ask about that. We yeah. asked about that. Um, what was the kind of... It was for the Sydney Opera House or something? Yeah, uh, it was for the Graphic Festival in Sydney Opera okay, House. Yeah. And it was... It was basically just a drawing that I did um, while I was working, like animating other people's stuff. Yeah. It was just a finger and a finger puppet. And I was like, that's pretty funny. And I also had been to Pictoplasma earlier that year. Right. And 
this kind of the format is I think Pictoplasma was like wow this is really good it's kind of like you can put a face on anything right. and people just like empathize with it they yeah, start yeah, to yeah. like project human humanness on anything and yeah. I think Finger Puppets to me like the joke was it's kind of taking something really innocent and doing something really innocent and then people projecting human vice onto it yeah 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 and that to me was the joke um, but you it was it must have been a conscious decision oh, to absolutely, make absolutely. Exactly. I mean yeah, yeah. I, I mean for me like there was one shot in that which was like that was the whole point right. and then there was every other shot was just making into like a big big um, and that was just like I mean the first shot was kind of the sketch that I'd had yeah, and then yeah. there was another shot where it had like just the loop of one puppet inside the other puppet yeah. and bouncing along and I did that I'm like that's it I could just stop now <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah but you know like um, had to kind of flesh it out so yeah yeah and um, would you not want to do more stuff like that because kind of the for that was really beautiful 3D is really hard because you need to work um, with a lot of people and you kind of need to like for me like 2D is great because I can just sit there and make everything right okay yeah. 3D is like you need to work with people and you need to call in favours and yeah and ask for favours more so I owe a lot of people a lot of favours <laughs> right okay um, yeah so I, I just did a 3D music video um, yeah um, I saw that it was really nice actually it was with the Xbox Connect yeah that's it um, you know I'd, who was the music video for? that's uh, for DZ Death Rays and they're an Australian band. And this is be on your Vimeo account. Yeah, that is my Vimeo account. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about that's my first ever music video, and like music videos were kind of the reason I got into filmmaking in the first place. Okay. And I'm, you know, I learned a lot doing that. It was a bit overwhelming because it was all 3D, and I had to do everything but the shoot and the um, um, and the sort of processing the raw data. Um, yeah. Uh, I had to, you know, have a hand in, and had to learn to do myself to a certain extent. So. And how was it? Because it's got quite an unusual aesthetic to the, the characters in it, or the people in it, and yeah. it, it kind of looks like motion capture or something. Yeah, so that's um, it's it's captured with the Xbox Connect and another another thing done by the same people, which is like a close up camera, which is more high definition. Right. Okay. And that generates 3D points, like a point cloud of people. Right. Um, but I mean, I, I think it was successful and the band really liked it. Um, the shots that I really like are the, the live action shots where yeah. I start fucking up the world. And oh I, yeah, we were, yeah, really yeah. like those. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, that's what I, that's, that's kind of the video. And it wasn't until I hit that like two thirds through making it, I was like, that's what I wanted the video to be. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, I gotta deliver it in like a week, so. It looks it, good though, man. I yeah. really like it. Yeah, how, how was that done then? I just got my digital SLR um, and a rig and I just went around shooting stuff and then I put it into 3D and I projected onto the 3D. Oh right, okay. And, and then you popped up shapes in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like, yeah, it was a weird technical thing. It was kind of like exercising that part of my brain where mm. I was really happy to, um, to, yeah. to make something kind of technical. Yeah. Do you consider yourself to be a technical person? Um, yeah, I, yes. I, I enjoy I enjoy problem solving, right. and I think I always think of like creative things in a problem solving sense. Yeah, um, I think creativity is problem solving. Yeah, I think some people, um, you know, white space creative people, and they can just they say, "Well, I want to make this," and 
it doesn't you know and they're just driven to make that like they have an, an urge from within to make something whereas I usually find that I need an external problem to solve and for late night work club that offered that where I had to make a ghost story I was like mm-hmm. well fuck ghost stories you know like ghost I don't like horror and I don't like ghost stories and so it gave me something to rebel against it gave me a problem to solve um and you know like at school like I just I did all maths and science I didn't do any creative subjects at school um until like halfway through like the second last year I changed to changed to film and tv and I was like what is this this is amazing and I like you know I was like lost my mind with that and so so did you so you were but you said you were like into anime and deviant art and stuff back then no that was like later I mean anime I used to watch like um you know those sort of things but mm-hmm. uh, DeviantArt I didn't know anything about until I got to university Okay. so you know I'm a late bloomer when it comes yeah. to comes to that stuff um, I just yeah, I, I, I kind of dipped into DeviantArt like like for about a week I think yeah. or something uh, uh, like after university like I'm even obviously a later bloomer than you but it just seems like the most confusing website <laughs> like, yeah. I just can't understand like regardless of the fact that there's some very very questionable artwork on it like uh, <laughs> there's also uh, I just couldn't understand like what I was looking at like what was somebody's portfolio yeah because like, uh, there was a whole section which is like stuff they just favourited yeah. and you're looking and at it's it. all mixed up with the stuff that they've made and yeah, yeah. I didn't find it like a great platform personally um, I found when I got into it it was like a good way to well for starters there was a lot of people making awesome stuff and I was like that's amazing mm. and I was and it's a community thing. So you make it, you make a profile, and then you comment on stuff, and people look at your avatar and they click through your thing, and then mm. they see your artwork and they comment on your stuff. It's kind of this weird echo chamber of like ass padding, like they just pad your ass right, right, right. just so that people will go to their website. I kind and of feel like I kind of feel like a Vimeo is a little bit like yeah. that as well. Yeah, I mean Vimeo is kind of groundbreaking for a lot of reasons, and it's kind of opened up the platform for short filmmaking in a big way, but it does feel like um, it's not it's not a platform for critique or meaningful no. discussion no. it's kind of like a platform for positivity yeah. and you know, I'm not necessarily against that um, yeah no I, I, I agree I think I, I actually think that Vimeo is a really really amazing network um, and uh, but I just think that like I wonder if people kind of coming up uh, nowadays who are going through um, part of um, who are part of networks like that whether they're getting the necessary kind of uh, negative criticism as well as kind of positive reinforcement. A big step for me was discovering a forum called um, Satellite Soda. And I discovered that through artists I liked on DVD. Satellite Soda. Yeah. Um, and it's basically just a forum, but they had a rule. Well, for starters, they had like a group of artists who were all really good, who kind of like the mainstays of the forum, they moderated the forum. Um, there's a few Australian guys, a few guys in the US, a few guys in the UK, and they're really good, and they still are really good, and they still produce really good work, but they had a rule on the forum where you couldn't comment on anyone's work unless you qualified it. So you couldn't say, hey, great work, end of discussion. You had to say, hey, I really like this because of this, and it had to be really technical, right. sort of art, like fundamentals of art, like uh, fundamentals of illustration and things like that, saying, I like this composition, I like the way this directs your eye to this, or if you didn't like something, it would be really constructive and there'd be a lot of draw overs of right. like anatomy and things wow. like that. And it was like a really positive community. Mm. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was 
That's and being, being like a second year university student, and I was terrible. And I was like putting stuff up on there, and they're like, "Hey, this is this is bad because of this." And like, you know, it was it was what I was missing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like even at university, you know, maybe the lecturers would give you critiques once or twice a semester on your assignments, mm-hmm. but this you could have every day. You could put up a drawing and yeah. be like, "Well, this is you need to do this and this and this," yeah. or you need to like introduce me to color theory and introduce me to mm-hmm. like the importance of not making up anatomy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and like, you know, hardcore, like there's a bunch of guys from CalArts who do it. There's a bunch of guys in New Zealand who are like really like good. I don't know what And this is on this board. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a lot quieter these days. So I think if anyone listening is looking for it, maybe it's not the best one to get involved with now, but look for a community that's uh, yeah. That's uh, that's like offering that. There's not offering like just a pat on the ass so that I, people I, look I at your profile. I kind of feel that kind of comes back to that thing about talking about um, being the best guy in your class and then going to university and finding out that you're not. You're like a absolutely. Uh, yeah, you're you, you're a big fish in a small pond, mm-hmm. and um, I I, uh, I absolutely think that you've got to be broken down to be built up. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's but it's like how you you set out the kind of company like you said and satellite so that it was kind of like a thing that they state when yeah. actually people comment and they probably moderate and I think YouTube is people will tell you you suck but then I think there's just a lot of hatred on it and I think with yeah. Vimeo it's kind of like the opposite the, the complete opposite you're told to sort of play nice or whatever even when you leave a comment it says like okay now play nice or there's like a tone of voice in it which yeah, yeah. I suppose doesn't I mean, really yeah, I mean, that. I mean, Vimeo for me is. I I don't. I'm not very much part of the Vimeo community. I guess I'm more part of like it. It offers great video streaming. Mm, yeah. It's a very high quality compared to yeah. YouTube and things like that. I mean, I love Vimeo for that, and I love discovering work through Vimeo. But I'm mm. not very much part of the community. Um, but I think and, you are like. I mean, I definitely found you. I or know of you through Vimeo. Yeah. I think you're probably more active than some some of the people who are active in the community, not on Vimeo, but just through sharing your work and stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. But it's funny, I'd never really considered Vimeo that being a negative thing, it was something I kind of always liked about it, but then yeah, yeah you're not Well, I mean, if you, compa- if you compare it to YouTube, then it's, a, it's like, oh, yeah. it's like, it's the best ever. But if yeah. you compare it, 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 it's just a different forum. I mean, it's just like a different place to be. If you, if, you, if you want work to be critiqued, I think you should put it up there. and uh, For critiquing. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it, it can be, and that has to come. I don't know. It has to come from within you mm-hmm. as a creative person to yeah. to be wanting to to seek that out. I don't yeah. think you can have that imposed upon you because right. you're probably not going to be ready for it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's uh, it's funny when you do see uh, a, like a negative comment on Vimeo. It might just it might even be a little bit constructive or just the fact that it's not someone going, "Hey, nice work, man." You're like, "Oh my god, someone's <laughs> someone's saying something bad about." It. Uh, the worst I ever saw was on that video, the, the reject. Uh, we won't talk about it, but the rejected video for the late night work yeah, yeah. club. Um, that was like, that was like proper like OK magazine, like Heat magazine for me. I was like proper like going back to it every day to see what else, how the <laughs> argument had developed and that. And it was that, there an I didn't really follow that very much, but it was people being I, really uh, offended by the, the the content of his video. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that um, I think that perhaps the the kind of content that we put up is not really that controversial. 
No, absolutely. Um, I think that I think if you want to put subject matter up on Vimeo that deals with hot button issues, you will get you know contentious conversations. Well, Scott Scott put up that the feminazi stole my ice cream thing. Um, Scott Benson, people Mm -hmm. at home, Um, he put that up and he had to turn the comments off because people were people who didn't agree with it actually made. What was his comment? uh, Sorry. What was his comment? No, he had to turn them off. Like, oh, right, right. Because he was finding people actually created Vimeo accounts specifically <laughs> really? to, hate, to hate on this video. Wow. What and, video was it again? Sorry? Uh, Feminazi Stole My Ice Cream. Oh, okay. um, and it's basically, it's kind of just a, a critique like a, of um, male rights activists. Right. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty dark corner of the internet um, that sort of hangs out in those forums and those, that world. They just, just um, you know, you know, it's a it's a dark place, and you know, Scott very eloquently sort of um, commented on it, and then and then it blew up, and he had like a lot of you know people not from the Vimeo community commenting on it just to um, you know bring bring the uh, the darker corners of the web to his Vimeo page, right? Um, and he just turned off the comments because it was. A lot of people asked him to turn off the comments. Actually, really, people were like, can you turn off the comments? Because this isn't a constructive talk about what right. we're talking about. Um, yeah. So you know, I don't know. I don't know how we got on that. that, that <laughs> yeah, but it, it did. It did. It did relate to what you were talking about with um, uh, with Christian's um, uh, late night work club film as well. Um, yeah. Which yeah, anyway, it like it took us off guard. You know when he yeah. submitted that film, and he was the first one to finish as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, it, it was a pretty difficult pill to swallow. I think. Yeah, yeah. But I, I respect him as like a filmmaker, and I respect his decision to go that way as well. Mm. Um, just not something we necessarily wanted to be yeah. tied to as yeah. as creative people. Mm. Yeah. So are you um, are you? Uh, how long have you been based in the UK for now? Uh, it's almost two years, so I'm on a two-year oh, visa yeah. to do whatever I want. Okay. Um, okay. And that's how it works, like if you're Australian, you can get a two-year visa? Yeah, if you're under 30, you can do a two-year visa. Okay. So that's, um, I'm coming to the end of that now. And it's either I'd have to work full-time somewhere, or I can go home and do my own thing, so... Okay. I'd, yeah, no, like, if working full-time is kind of, it's, it's, not, it's not my ideal sure. sort of thing. Mm. So you kind of get stuck doing the work that yeah. freelancers don't want to do sometimes. Right. Um, and, you know, it's definitely positives, but it's maybe a little bit outside. I can't take four months off to make a film for no right. reason, you know. They're not so accommodating. Yeah. <laughs> like that, so. Yeah. So, you're, uh, so you're going back to Australia? Yeah. And what's the, what's the plan? Uh, at the moment, it's still up in the air a little bit. Um, maybe by the time it goes, this goes to the internet... I'll figure it out, but it's probably I'll probably be living in Sydney, and I'll probably be working in some capacity with um, my friends at a studio called Mighty Nice, who like yeah, one of my favorite places in Australia, and it was a big like I worked with them just before I came over here, mm-hmm. and they're part of Nexus Productions here okay. in London. Oh, okay. Um, they're partially owned by them, and Darren Price set up the 3D department in Nexus originally and now he's gone he went back to Australia a while ago to start a studio in Australia and he is just a very you know, level headed very creative guy he's a very collaborative director as well mm-hmm. um, and I learned a lot working with him just you know creatively and also just how to be a professional sort of nice person mm-hmm. like 
working with him was like, oh, you can be a director and I can aspire to be someone like you and have your own business and hire people and pay them well and treat them well and things like that. Mm. It's a very positive atmosphere there. So. Oh, cool. um, and also he, it's a weird thing, like when I was a kid, I was really into this book called Butter Snacks and Gumballs because my dad is... Butter what? Butter Snacks and Gumballs. Right. And it's, it's like a, it's an Australian sort of mythology right. um, kids book and Darren... No, I was really into it, and, my, and I, the only reason I got to read it was my dad was a teacher librarian, right. and he brought it home, but it's been out of print for like 20 years or something. And I got to work at Mighty Nice, and we were working in a commercial, and he's like, hey, have you ever heard of Butter Snacks and Gumballs? And I'm like, yeah, man, that's like my favorite kid's book. And I've got this photo of me being a seven-year-old, like dressed in a Butter Snack costume <laughs> that we made for like this book club, oh, book, book week thing, and you know, I sent him this photo, and he's like, yeah, we we just bought the rights to the uh, to make it into a series because it's wow. my favorite book, and so hopefully we'll be making that into a TV. Oh, that's wicked! Yeah, that it's like so this weird, cool. weird like you know, in the same wavelength that stuff. Yeah, is, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's so good. And what's the animation industry like in Australia generally? Is it's uh, it's interesting. It's not as um, I don't know. I, I have like conflicting ideas about it. There's lots lots of like super talented people. And me coming up through that industry was really interesting because it meant that I got a lot of responsibility early on that I wouldn't have got if I was in a bigger place like London. They would have, you know, they would have put you on a slow track to, to sort of being promoted. But they, they had some fairly big studios. Disney did a lot of their sequel films over there. Yeah, there. and that got shut down. <laughs> so a lot of good 2D guys that yeah. then moved into games and then game industry shut down around the GFC. I think we had 10 major studios in Brisbane where I lived uh, and all but one of them shut down oh, in a year, like it was a big, wow. you know, and that means there's like 700 people who do what I do yeah. floating around with wow. families and no jobs wow. and so, um, I'm like I've always like tried to make sure that I don't, based on like getting burnt a lot in the industry, like I try to make sure that I don't have, rely on any, any yeah. company ever. To, yeah. to support me and to make me safe you know mm. so and it's based on you know coming up through game industry shutting down and then mm. another TV studio that I worked shutting down and worked for shutting down and so I'm, I'm kind a of a trend here is it uh, maybe something to do with you going to work in these companies yeah I don't know yeah maybe no, I'm joking I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I'm just very I mean it's kind of informed the way that I work now is that I, I have my own studio and yeah. like I just and I work for people and I work with people, mm -hmm. but I don't let, like I was working at Nexus for a long time and I wanted to make sure that if you only have one client and then they lose work, then you're screwed because you don't have any other clients. Yeah. So I had to make the concerted effort to go out and find other clients. Even mm -hmm. though I had this client and they had work for me, I made an effort to go and talk to other people. Yeah. We were running out of- No, we're good, we're good. Yeah. Um, okay, so when you're going back in December, Okay, so yeah. maybe by the time this comes out, you, you'll be, you'll be in, in enjoying the, the warm weather. And yeah. You'll freeze yeah, 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 up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, hopefully we'll be going back for Sundance in America. So oh, yeah, I'll be yeah. freezing, freezing in that from photos <laughs> I've seen. Right, right. But maybe I won't. I don't know. See how much it costs. Because mm. it's a terrible time. Like, I moved back to Australia and then a month later, go back to America. It might but be expensive. Wouldn't, if you got into Sundance, wouldn't they pay for you to come over or anything? Don't think that I don't really? think they do that. I don't know. I've got I, I know I've never 
had the opportunity to go to a festival before, so maybe... I, I know people who go on world tours with their film, man. Like yeah. Always yeah, I don't know how much of that gets paid for by the festival, though. I think, I think they... I think some festivals, yeah. maybe they're just picking festivals to, to take them away, but there's... Yeah. I know people think I'd like that list of festivals. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you, uh, but you enjoyed working in London? Generally. Yeah, I, I love London. I think the best thing about London is being surrounded by people who do what I do, and and they, you know, they they just do their own thing. Like I think in Australia, like the big goal is to like earn money from what you do, because that is like almost unthinkable, is to have a career in animation. That's incredible. Whereas mm-hmm. here, it's like you can have that, and you can also take a different route, which is make your own work, and then sometimes work for people, and sometimes make your own stuff, and work directly with clients. And maybe it's different when I get back to Australia, but mm-hmm. definitely feels like a different attitude here. Mm-hmm. Where like I would like the first thing I did was uh, sitting next to a guy called Felix Massey, who makes amazing films. Mm-hmm. Um, he's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible, and he's like a director at Nexus now, and he was a director at Ardman. But, you know, he just makes films in his own time. And that's not something that anyone I knew in Australia did. They, mm-hmm. You know, I had a couple of friends in Adelaide who make Cap Piano and they do that. But that's like a lifestyle decision. Like, that's mm-hmm. like you just, that's what you do then. It's like you don't earn money, you make films. Mm-hmm. Whereas people here, like, they freelance and make films. Mm-hmm. And, like, everyone I was working with had films that they were making or had made or, you know, and had just, like, a giant portfolio of personal work. And I was like, I don't have any of that. Like maybe I'm allowed to do that. Like, yeah, that was yeah. a big shift for me, just, just to be surrounded by people and go to the pub and, like, drink with people. Like, oh, no, I've seen your work, I've seen your work, I've seen your yeah. work. And then, you're like, man, I should... What's stopping me from doing that? Like, that was a big shift. Once I moved here, it was, like, kind of just opened that door to me, I guess, an idea. Now, that's interesting and nice to hear that you, you got that from London. Absolutely. I mean, I had a lot of... I think I had a lot of frustrated energy and then I just realized, that, oh, this is why I'm frustrated is because like, I'm not doing what these guys are doing, which mm-hmm. is making my own stuff, which was good. Cool. Right. Well, I think that's a good point to wrap it up. Was that three hours? Did we get to the three hours? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have to do a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 A mini-series, a weekly podcast with Alex. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks very much, Alex. Uh, it's so been a pleasure. Thanks so much, guys. No, it's been nice. Bye, everyone. Cool. Bye. 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 Bye.